Kathleen Scama, president of Western Energy Alliance. Thank you very much for joining us here today. We want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that's going on in the presidential election. Recently saw, you've been in the news, you had a press release out that we got here at the Crude Lice. You've, you've got some comments, some thoughts on the debates that have been happening as recent as the one last week. So, uh, Kathleen, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been a very interesting to be in an industry that uh, suddenly presidential candidates are calling criminal and that we should be put in jail. I mean, after all, we provide the energy that uh, puts food on the table, gets people to school and work, um, keeps the lights on, and suddenly we're the bad guys. One thing on the crude life here we've been talking about, oh, probably the last month. I mean, we've been kind of talking about the last five years, but been framing it this way where it seems to me about five years ago in Colorado, I noticed, you know, people were looking over their shoulders when they were mentioning they worked in the oil and gas industry. The Colorado Blueprint, the SB 181, now there's another circulation going around, that sort of thing. Where I'm going with this is that it seems... Over the past five years, and especially in this presidential candidate, they've shifted the conversation to not an energy debate, but a public health debate now. Um, I guess so. You know, they're trying to make oil and natural gas seem as if it's harmful, because if you can claim that something is harmful, then that gives the state or the administrative power, you know, the governor, whomever wants to, gives them some authority to shut it down or to overregulate it. Mm -hmm. The reality is um, oil and natural gas has been, you know, we've been producing that that in the country for over 100 years, way more than 100 years, actually. Um, Production is often close to populated areas um, because it's done in a way that protects public health and reduces environmental impacts. And we keep you know, every day we're innovating and we keep reducing environmental impacts and, and we have to operate in ways that protect public health. So what we see in Colorado is a pretty disingenuous effort by regulators to say it's not enough and it's just justification for more. So that's kind of what's happening in Colorado. Um, you know, you see up in North Dakota, certainly a more uh, reasonable um, business oriented approach that understands that oil and natural gas is not just an economic driver for the state, but, you know, a source of uh, people's livelihoods. So there's kind of more of a balanced approach in North Dakota. Um, So you guys are lucky up there. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, the private mineral rights, obviously, and the clean air, and we've got a very favorable uh, legislative body as well that, uh, that sees the, the benefits of just, you know, some good science and, and clean business, if you will. Uh, I did, I wanted to you ask, know, that's a good go ahead. point, though, about the mineral owners, because there are just as many, probably maybe even more mineral owners in Colorado. Um, well, I shouldn't say, you know, it's comparable. You have mineral owners all across the country that own their oil and natural gas rights. And in fact, the industry returns about $21 billion annually to royalty owners. And many of them, like in North Dakota, are individual landowners or just regular citizens, and they derive the benefit of that oil and natural gas production. So we have the same thing in Colorado. So you have a situation where state regulators may um, 
put off limits people's, you know, royalties, may put off limits their, their access to their minerals. And I think, you know, perhaps in the future that might be a source of litigation against the state because you're taking away somebody's property right. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, we've been using responsible energy for 150 year, or 100 years. In fact, I'll even go back 150 years, and I'm paraphrasing what, what you were saying before, but, you know, we've been decarbonizing since Abraham Lincoln was in office. I say it all the time, you know, the stove, t- the stove top pipe or whatever is, uh, you know, back then they were using wood and hay, and we've gone through coal and we've gone through oil, and, and now we've pretty much gotten to natural gas. So we've gone really down to one hydrocarbon. So there's, a, there's really the decarbonization of energy has been going on for 150 years, and I joke on the program all the time, long before the Sierra Club came along and started telling us what to do, because that's the reality, is that we have been decarbonizing. But boy, it certainly seems since we got to this year's presidential election, especially this energy perception, this energy debate has taken on a whole new life. And as we get closer to the election, I'm just wondering, what should energy people, energy industries, what should we look out for? Because I believe it's only going to get more heated and more, I guess, rampant, if you will, as as we get closer to the summer. Yes, it is a bit disheartening that major presidential candidates seem to think going after our industry is politically expedient. Now, you know, in some ways they look at us and they kind of, you know, there's this this narrative that it's just a bunch of fat cats and they're just getting rich off of, um, you know, the American public. But the reality is that we're providing the American public with a source of um, energy that provides everything they use every day. Um, We heat your home, we cool it in the summer, uh, we provide the electricity, your smartphone and your computer are, are not possible with oil and natural gas, not just to power them, but the components are made from oil and natural gas. Um, food, you know, doesn't get delivered to, it doesn't get grown and delivered without oil and natural gas. So everything that sustains everyday life um, derives from having abundant, affordable energy and oil and natural gas to make those products. So they're actually going after the energy that people use in their daily lives. So it might be politically expedient now to attack our industry, but if they actually took what they're saying to its logical conclusion, they would deprive Americans of their cars, their electricity, their smartphones, and they wouldn't last a day in office if they actually did that. So um, we're looking forward to when things settle down, the rhetoric kind of cools down a bit, and when reality sets in. Kathleen Skama with us at Western Energy Alliance talking about the presidential election. Uh, Some of the conversations they're having about, you know, apparently plastic straws are not in the conversation anymore. They're just talking about banning the industry outright, which is, I'll let you make up your own mind on that. We think it's a little bit ridiculous on the crazy side, but that's that's an opinion. Um, I wanted to ask you about... um, what their response is, and I don't know if anybody's ever asked the presidential candidates this or, or that level of, of uh, you know, professional or, or politicians, if you will, the, the, the poverty side of this. That, you know, I mean, it's 
no secret that the energy industry has done remarkable things in, in bringing heat into people's homes and creating it so that we, we can have a better quality of life. And they, there's been a number of studies that have shown that the more renewable this society goes at the rampant pace they're going, the more it's really going to affect the low and low and poor people, the low income people and the poor people. Has that been brought up in these presidential elections at all? Or do you, do you guys look at that at all? Well, we certainly do. But, uh, you know, the level of debate in, in the presidential contest so far doesn't seem to get to that practical level of detail. Um, you know, it is. It's, it, we're in the rhetoric stage. We're in the the superficial stage. Um, you know, I, I think it, it. But the rhetoric does indicate um, how a potential, you know, how a potential president would govern. So when you see that type of rhetoric, that um, you know, you know that it would not only kill jobs in North Dakota directly related or indirectly related to the industry, but would increase prices and put low-income people at such a disadvantage. You know, there was a study that came out that said that low natural gas prices are literally saving 11,000 lives a year because of lower heating costs. So fewer people are dying every year from the cold because of low natural gas prices. Um, You know, that type of messaging doesn't really get through the fray when there's all this talk of impeachment and you've got presidential candidates running around calling us criminal. Um, But that's the reality. And that's why I say, you know, eventually reality sets in. If people can't heat their homes and they can't uh, drive to school and work, then that type of uh, agenda quickly crumbles and loses support of the American voter. So I think reality will set in. By the way, Kathleen, I should mention we're now, you know, we have a podcast now. So not only do we have the radio platform up in the Bach in, in the five state region up there, but we've got a podcast now that we put out every day. And by every day, we mean Monday through Thursday, because that's what it means in podcast world with a week in review on Friday. And then we it's a, it's a half hour podcast every day, which means it could be 45 minutes. I love this podcast language. You can just say whatever you want. So, um, you know, you've, you've been mentioning North Dakota, but I imagine a lot of this is applicable in other areas. Texas has a lot of mineral rights. We mentioned mineral rights earlier um, and that sort of thing as well, because uh, the industry is so tied together. Uh, and and it's just, it just seems like it's becoming more tied together every single day. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with just the, the change in, in the atmosphere out there. You're based in Colorado. Uh, how is that atmosphere there? You know, you mentioned that, you know, the, the kind of the statewide of it, but I, I've been reading that even the New Mexico governor now is even making some statements that the oil and gas industry's kind of caught their attention a little bit. Do you follow much of the local statewide politics or do you just pretty much uh, tackle the national uh, p- p- political landscape? You know, New Mexico is really interesting. I'm glad you brought it up because, um, Oil and natural gas provides about a third of the state's budget. Um, Because of increased growth in the Permian Basin um, in New Mexico, I mean, everybody kind of thinks of the Permian in Texas, but it straddles New Mexico-Texas border, um, we've delivered about uh, $1.3 billion in additional funding, and a lot of that is going to education. So while Governor Grisham is getting 
um, sniping from the left, complaining that she supports fracking and that she's not trying to shut down the oil and natural gas industry. She is trying to get free college tuition for New Mexico students, and she wouldn't be able to do that without the extra $1.3 billion that the oil and natural gas has, uh, industry has delivered over the last year. So um, she's an interesting case, and, in, you know, she is getting that pressure from the left, but the practicality of governing and the huge benefit to um, students, low-income students suddenly being able to afford college, um, the, the benefit speaks for itself. So I think she's certainly much more reasonable than what we see in the governor of uh, Colorado, who um, doesn't quite see the benefits. He's more of a crusader against oil and natural gas, um, and you know, kind of a true believer. So there is a much more difficult um, environment in Colorado as a result. I definitely know what you're talking about there. He's um, they they won't even give me the time of day barely, and they keep <laughs> they, they turn down interviews all the time, and uh, I mean requests because I I put out requests to to their office. Um, there it's a governor of a state that's impacted in, in in different things, and we've had a number of governors on the program before. You know, obviously North Dakota is a regular guest, but Wyoming's and uh senator perry was on rick perry's been on here we've had a number of different them but um they don't seem to want to i mean it's just different it's a different vibe you know what i mean and so when you said that it totally made sense to me it, when you when you said crusade because it is it's like he's, he won't even listen to the other side at all it's it, it's all done it's answered done so it's uh peculiar so what's happening and at, at your guys's office how are you guys making ma- making things work these days give yourself a plug and what people should look out for in the newsletter and the whole deal you know um they can find more information out about western energy alliance at westernenergyalliance.org or follow us on twitter at western energy one um but you know we're really working on um solidifying some of these good policies that we've seen from the Trump administration, making sure they survive um, whether the Trump administration ends in a year or five years. Um, We want to ensure that policies are put in place um, in regulation and that they can't be overturned easily by a subsequent president who might be someone like Elizabeth Warren, who's very hostile to our industry. So that's what we're kind of laser focused on these days is getting some of these rules finalized um, so that those policies can become somewhat permanent. Are you guys expecting a pretty busy year? I mean, I mentioned it earlier that I I think it's going to be a heated year. And, you know, obviously you guys are trying to keep the waters calm. But at the same time, um, you know, reality is reality. And um, are you guys expecting somewhat of 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 a more challenging year or a busier year or just, you know, in... You've had presidential elections in the past. I just, is this one different? Yeah. Not more challenging. It's just, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do because the the administration's pointed in the right direction and they just need help wrapping up some of these things uh, just in case, uh, you know, the election doesn't go their way. So we have to kind of worst case plan. And so we're assuming that we need to get most things done by the summer because by the summer, the campaign just takes over and nothing much gets done in Washington because of the political 
atmosphere. So we've got some major rules that need to be finalized. Um, we've got to get these policies in place, and it's um, it's all pointed in a good direction. Um, yeah, a good and a positive direction. 